Welcome to the UXperts Podcast, Episode 22. My name is Jason Moore, and I'm joined alongside Effie Risho. Good afternoon, Effie. Hello, Jason. How's it going, my man? Well, you know, all things work out in the end, so good to see you today. You too. You too. It's great to be here, pick it up where we left off on story mapping with Jeff That's right. Patton. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, last time we took a, you know, kind of a 10,000 foot view of story mapping and, and gave an introduction, shared a lot of stories about the ins and outs and how we knew Jeff and, and some of the experiences we had. Uh, today, I think we're going to take a deeper dive into the user stories themselves, mm-hmm. like why we do them and not only the why, but what they actually look like and really begin to understand yeah. how user stories bring together not just the UX and the PM resource and the tech lead, but really become a, a piece of shared understanding for the entire team. Yeah. And 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 for those who, you know, didn't catch our last episode, just a quick rundown of what a story map is. It's basically saying, let's use some stickies and a whiteboard and Sharpie notes, Sharpies with these sticky notes. And let's map out this flow of you could either do you know the current process or the future that's right and and let's map it out in a way that you know like we tell a story and we do it together talking and you get shared understanding from doing this practice so absolutely it's a it's a technique it's a skill it's a tool and it's incredibly effective and jason and i both use it a ton with our work and uh, i continue to use it in fact um this week I was using it with work and you know, it's just, it continues to be a really incredibly effective tool, even though it's so simple, but it's a long book. He wrote, he, he designed, you know, our last episode, we said, you know, in the intro, he says, I thought this was going to be a little quick, a pamphlet, a little quick pamphlet. Yeah. And it turned out to be a full, like for yeah. almost for a page book because there's actually a lot of depth and in, in stories and experience that you can get out of it. So, yeah, that's, well, that's the, kind of the, the recap for those who missed our last episode. And for those who have been following along, we're going to jump in at the start of chapter four, which is titled Plan to Finish on Time. As far as I know, there's only one edition. Uh, the book is available through O'Reilly Publications. Yep. And uh, no coincidence, um, we have two superheroes in this first chapter. Both people that Effie and I worked with at our tight end during uh, Workiba. That is correct. In fact, we there, there's a photograph of them, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know those people. I've hung out with them. Yep. Yeah. And um, it's it's good because that, of course, is the influence that we have with Workiba with Jeff when he was teaching. No, that's right. And, and really, the story picks up talking about how story maps can help influence companies and, and drive product groups forward. Um, they start to talk about, you know, discovery starting with framing the feature idea they were working with to really understand who it was for and, and why they were building it. And in this case, the next logical step is really to think about what it would look like to begin building prototypes. But in this case, this product, given that I was present at the time, didn't actually need a prototype. Um, they had a story map they were able to build out. I, I will say when we say prototype, I think the bias is we naturally think about something clickable in Axure or today in Figma. And, you know, I would say we, we've spent so much time going over like paper prototypes for mobile development, et cetera. In this case, they had a, a clear understanding of their product already. 
and they were looking to add a, a feature to it. And during this particular jam, uh, a prototype didn't make a lot of sense. They already knew what they wanted to do. They had a couple right. different ideas, but they knew the problem they were trying to solve. And and the one thing I would point out in chapter four that stands out to me is the 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 story map itself isn't about the whole product. It can be, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, the example from chapter two was the whole product. That's right. That's right. The yeah, the the chapter with he's Gary. He's trying to help. He's trying to help yeah. somebody come up with how their product. He's like, I've I've gone partway through this product. I'm burning through money. I need advice. And that's when Jeff came in. Yep. And said, let's story map your whole thing. And it was this huge story map. And then they were able to hone down on okay, this is the core issue. That's right. And yeah. So to Jason's point, there's a lot of and this is why this book is great because story maps can be effective at whatever whatever stage you're talking about. You know, even if you know and everyone's on the same page on like we need to build this, you could still use story maps to help hone hone down and make sure everyone's got understanding right. of that little short piece of it. So this is actually a brand new feature. Yeah, in this case, we're one feature in an existing product. a large enterprise. And they're trying to figure out, once they have a solid idea, it's been validated, what the story map looks like. They begin talking about some concepts that we pick up throughout the conversation. The backbone of the story map itself, uh, the prototype screenshots, which, which will help aid visually and letting people understand what's going on. Right. And then, you know, the overall details. Because really, at the end of the day, when you're working with engineers and developers, um, you're not going to get a great estimate from a development team unless they truly understand what it is they're estimating. Yeah, exactly. So they need to understand. So, so this kind of take a step back to again, you know, from one of the earlier chapters, Jeff shared a photograph of his kids on a on a vacation at the beach, and and he says, but the, the thing is, is there was a story that led to it. You know, we. If you just looked at this, you'd think, oh, those kids were on a beach somewhere tropical. It's like, well, they were in Hawaii, and the reality was is it was uh, this hour-long dirt road, out of the way, bumpy drive to get there, and then they parked, and then they ended up having to walk over half a mile through the jungle, and they're hot and sweaty, and the kids are like, are we there yet? I'm sick of this. What's going on? So there's a whole story leading up to it. Right. And so, you know, we we have to, like, recognize that that you know when you and i look at the picture we don't see that and he's like that that's like what a document is a shared document doesn't mean shared understanding you look at that document you have no idea the story behind it but when those who were there or who are a part of the discussion see it then they they get that so when 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 we kind of look back to like you know he, he he you know jeff mentions the vacation photo all throughout this whole book because he refers to it as you got to take the photographs. You got to take the photos of the story maps. You got to add visuals constantly. You know, you're doing these exercises, but you want to like get that stuff on the whiteboard. And then you want to throw in screenshots of what the app is doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And you want to like write next to it. You want to like keep that engagement of this is what, you know, people are, are so that there's this shared understanding when you're talking. And then when you talk to developers about it and the developers are talking to you and you, are getting in to build it, well, everyone starts to have this shared understanding is so when you take this picture of it and share it with them, you can go, well, remember when we talked about this? And it was, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, and it could be a, a picture of the prototype. It could be a picture of, you know, when we represent personas, we talk about a day in the life. It could be, no, we're talking about um, Allison, the auditor, or right, right. You know, whomever. And you can actually say, no, when, when I'm saying this, I'm pointing back to that artifact. Yeah, that helps me understand, just like that photo itself. And he has a great illusion or uh, metaphor that he uses around the difference between what really is a waterfall process where you're building block on block on block and you don't really understand what's there until you get to it. And then he has another really great metaphor he uses with the Mona Lisa painting where, you know, it's pretty obvious that we don't have the earliest copies that I know of, but it starts out with probably a line drawing and then moves into greater and greater fidelity. The drawing itself probably could exist because if you ever studied Da Vinci, fantastic illustrations of, you know, many uh, machine elements that we use today. But as it goes through to the final Mona Lisa photo, you can see that in every piece you're seeing an evolution, not, you know, um, a reveal or a revelation of something that you didn't yeah. realize that was there yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And I think that is what you get with the waterfall picture and not right. the Mona Lisa picture. Right. Yeah. He's got the two. He's got this great comparison of two different diagrams. Somebody's like. And you know, in the first one, their 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 thought bubble is, "Oh, I want the Mona Lisa," and so they start building it, and they build this perfectly, perfectly designed part one's not part one. It has to be perfect. It's in part two. segment. Yeah, it's the segment of this of this painting, and then the next part, they've filled in another little segment of it, and it's perfectly done. It looks like those old segment. puzzles that used to slide like around. Yeah, now, yeah, you know, like. The one little puzzle where the one spot was missing and you would have to slide it all around until yeah, it all fit in perfect. There's 15 pieces. That's right. 16 square uh, block and you've got to move that, move them around. But every piece is perfect on its own. And, and, and the, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, unfortunately, in so many of our companies, especially with big companies and big efforts, and that, unfortunately, is actually how we do it. And I, that's right. It, funny enough, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a, a product manager yes. at my company and saying... And I dug up, I just typed in Jeff Patton, Mona Lisa, and boom, I found immediately. Found yeah, yeah, the image. Yeah. And I was like, look, what you're proposing is this. And he looked at it and I said, what we need to do is this. And I showed the, the second one, which is today's <laughs> point. Uh, yeah. There's the sketch and then there's the, the certain, some colors are filled in and then there's more detail. And then finally the whole fine thing. And that is proper, proper like product development because we're, we're, we're developing things that are, you know, it, the initial is not, oh, I know exactly this Mona Lisa. The, the initial thought is, I I need a portrait. I want to do a portrait of this woman, uh, you know, and I have some ideas. Yes. But you get it, you know, maybe the first sketch even isn't quite exactly right. Maybe her hand is up, and then as he's doing it, he's like, no, I think I want, I think I want like a subtle, subtle smile that maybe isn't a smile, but maybe it is. I really want to capture that about her, so I'm going to lay him down. Mm -hmm. And he kind of calls that out. And it's like those first stages, you're getting something out. Very small tweaks. And and honestly, he's got, Jeff is a brilliant uh, person about, you know, all throughout the book, he keeps throwing out analogies constantly. And I love, for me, I love a good metaphor. It just helps me to grok something really yeah. deeply. Um, and so the, 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 the Leonardo da Vinci, you know, one I think is really helpful. I, I that's one that, like I said, I, 
even before we recorded our, our last podcast, I was remembering it and talking to a product manager about it because I think uh, it's no, it is good. It is good. Huge. Yeah, there's been several talks I've given where I know I want to push something forward, but my words aren't going to mean anything. I need to use a simple picture. And so many times I've, I've, you know, the the Jeff Patton motorcycle metaphor where you skateboard the scooter to whatever up to the car. And, and it really, this Mona Lisa one is the same thing. So we've used it, you know, so often. Um, so we have two very smart people uh, complimenting one another. And um, I think those are really great things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love Da Vinci. And then he, he does have another thing about Da Vinci. He says there's an attributed quote. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's a great quote. Great, great art is never finished, only abandoned. And I, I feel like that is so true on, on, on a number of different scales. I, I mean, if you when you create things, um, you know, as, a, as an author, as a writer, at some point you like, okay, well, I got to at some point publish this darn thing. Like, I could keep editing it. And then you get, it gets published and you find a typo. You're like, ah, for goodness sakes, I can't believe a typo got through. Okay, on the spot question, uh, are there typos in your book? A hundred percent. Are there? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. It sucks. I was just rereading book one. I was like, all right, well, at the very least I could put out a new... Not like like a miss or a, like actual typos. A typo where it's a, it's a word that spell check didn't catch, but it's the wrong... It's like there's one letter off on the word. Oh. And okay. it's not... Well, I, mean, I can't believe nobody caught it. I mean, it went I mean you're, so a, you're the, human, so... I'm human. Everyone else was human. And yeah. you know what? It might have been a lace edit. And that's the thing. So you're in there, you're in there. And now I look back at that at the first book I pu- published in 2020. So that's now four years. Yeah. And I look back at it and I'm like. It feels like yesterday. Oh, it does kind <laughs> of fit. But I think, oh man, you know, if I were to like revisit this, I could do so much stuff to like improve it. No. It's a great story. No. But it's, you know what? It's published. It's a moment it, in history. You know, it is. It's a moment in history. And I think that is, it's it's tough with art. To, to let something go and go, okay, it's done. It's going out of the house. I mean, I've heard of artists showing up at an art gallery in New York City and, like, touching up a painting. <laughs> I've heard of artists showing up and not even going to the gallery because they're so, they're they're so, so like, embarrassed. Embarrassed. So, right? Yeah. So so that quote, though, is good for us to think about with, with software. Yeah. It's like, it's okay to release the software before you're 100% proud of it. And I just had this conversation with a bunch of strategic leaders this week about this software that we're working toward. And they're like, I said, look, we have to make sure we, we buffer mm-hmm. before we release this to the general public. We're doing a middle measure learn cycle. Right. And this is really. Now we're only trying to do this one thing. We're not trying to do all the things. And, and, and so we did. We released something and we had some early adopter type people using it. And then we found, okay, you know, we it's not quite solving those things they need. So we need to like fix a bunch of stuff before we keep doing more kind of like beta yep. style. And then they're like, okay, what's the line? And so I was like, well, here's the line, you know, like we would need to be user testing it. And they're like, okay, but like, it's okay if it's like kind of ugly, right? Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this beautiful work of art for us, for our users to find use. And I was like, I'm a hundred percent with you. I know it hurts me every time <laughs> to release software that's, functional but it's yeah. got all these visual issues are like users stumble over this one step 
but I'm like, I know we're going to fix it. It's okay. Like that's what good software leaders do is they recognize it doesn't have to be perfect, but it does need to like be functional and we don't want people abandoning it. You know, we don't, people want to say, well, no, oh, yeah, this, you know, thanks for giving me an early chance at this, but yeah, this doesn't solve my needs. Yeah. You move the cheese and, and usually, I mean, I think the persona of a beta tester is going to be someone who number one knows your application is a regular, you know, contributor to feedback right. and, and understands there's going to be some seams yeah. and because they know there are going to be seams, they're going to say things like, Hey, I'm okay if that exists because I know you guys are going to fix it. The same way that UFE as a UX leader is going to, are, are going to say, yeah, we're going to release it because I have trust that you're going to go back and fix it. And yeah, and I think that's what, you know, the Da Vinci, you know, quote really kind of points out. Um, I'll share with you my favorite Da Vinci quote. Oh, I would love to hear this. So I don't know if this is actually true. This, this, <laughs> no, this could be, this could be, or, yeah, I, I did not hear this from him personally. Uh, but yeah, yeah. My favorite Da Vinci quote, it was one where he said, um, I saw an angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Ah, I've heard a very similar quote. So I, I yeah. And yeah. that one was like really just awe inspiring for me yeah. as a designer because it's like, yeah, I have a vision of what I want to do and I'm going to work through whatever challenges and things I have to, to, to get that end result of oh, whatever piece. So fully our, our software was so exquisite yes, his yes. designs that she was doing. <laughs> he probably had a fast computer. Uh, well, it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump. Right. Let's go to chapter five because there's a really good use case here on walking through. If you haven't done story mapping before, yeah, you know we can just go through. I mean, he's got well, some we, really quick tasks. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, so the uh, the base analogy of the fifth chapter is we we, we mentioned it last week. Uh, imagine you're going to create uh, a store of flow of your morning routine. And you wake up. And you say, all right, what are the steps you use? And yep. so uh, let's say, you know, the first thing you do is you hit the snooze button on the yep. alarm. And then you, you uh, maybe you do, like I do some stretches personally. I get up, I do some stretches. And, I, um, and then, uh, you know, I may, I'll exercise. As you know, I'm a big exercise freak or whatever. And then, you, and then, you know, take a shower and then, you know, do my toiletries. And then I get the kids up and then I start getting them breakfast. And then I start, you know, so I have my steps. Right, but and, the thing about everything you just said was they all start with a verb. Right. You do something. There's an exactly. action word mm -hmm. assigned to what it is you're going about right. doing. And the fact that if we were to compare what you do to what I do, exactly. it's going to be different. Exactly. And so the exercise, which is incredibly helpful, and I, I have run this exercise now... Well, at least at least a few times. I'm, I'm trying to think of how many exactly. That doesn't matter. Uh and I've done it myself. I've actually done this exercise like with Jeff Patton twice. Uh, On the morning routine? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, well yeah. He, Does he give you feedback on like, Effie, you're, you're slouching a little bit? <laughs> so, so, so my experience is when you start talking about it with other people, that actually is this great moment because someone's like, yeah, but I do this before that. It's like, okay. Yeah. Well, let's, they're uh, different, you know, or not and then, so you look, you get, you get into small groups of, let's say four or six people, whatever. Yep. And you go, okay, well, well, can everyone agree at least on what order we want to put them in? And it's like, all right, well, let's just put them in this order. Yeah. 
All right. You, we wake up. You brush your teeth at this point, and then you shave, and this person shaves, and then they brush your teeth. But you know what? This person doesn't shave. And then, but then you can like, you know, so there's a lot of things right. to do, but what it does is it, it just starts getting everything out. And then you start making it this huge, you can make it a huge story map to go, let's start filling in all the dis, the details. The alternatives. And the alternatives. You've got, you know, your most luxurious morning ever. You've got the most <laughs> perfect morning ever. You've got all these different ways of waking a spa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to slice it. And then you could go, all right, let's just flesh out this story map with everything and see what happens. And you go from, let's say, you know, 12 sticky notes to 30, right. 40. Yeah. You know, especially if you're accounting for all the different people, someone with kids like you or me, we've got like five more stickies than someone who doesn't have those kids. Someone you know, who works from home. Is it summer? Is it during the school year? Right. Someone who works from home. I mean, they're going to have like, you know, there's no again, They're going to have like four or five less stickies. That's right. And so, you know, you've got like all these diversity and then what you're doing though is you're capturing it all. And this is the flow. And then like with software, you just keep your brain going. Like you're developing your product, yes. your, your, your new thing, your whatever. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just want to interject a little bit because the beauty of the story is the best way to teach someone something is to use an example that they already know to teach them a new concept. Right. You try and teach someone a new concept and a new topic or a new subject matter right, right. or a new illustration at the same time, you're going to lose them because they can't hold it in, in their memory at the same exactly. time. Exactly. But, and that's why Jeff used this, this metaphor of waking up in the morning. I just had this thought of like, well, what if I was single with a sick parent? My morning would look completely different, yeah. except for the fact I woke up and so did Effie. Yeah. And then everything past that is negotiable. So for software, it could be user logs in. Okay. Yeah. And, and then what task are they trying to complete? Right. So, but the task they're trying to complete in this example is, and he's assuming that everybody there has to get themselves presentable to show up to work and be in that place yes. to do that exercise. That's right. And so I think there is this certain sense of, you know, actually it was funny because there's a person who works from home all the time. Yeah. And sometimes people who are like, oh, I'm not going to turn on my camera today because I'm not, I'm not camera ready. And yeah, but I think to myself, because we, we do have in-person events, I'm like, every single one of these people, we'll be, them, they got we'll themselves be camera ready. ready. They smell good. They look good. Yeah. And they're, they've, they've eaten their breakfast. Well, good, ready to go. good's negotiable. <laughs> good's negotiable. They're, it's a Hopefully they no, have no, 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 I don't mean, I'm just, yeah, I mean, cause good is a biased word, right? I mean, yeah. So, you know, adequate. Uh, well, I'm going to use a meta. I'm going to use another metaphor oh. here. Um, there are some wines that you like that I don't like. You think they're good. I don't That's like possible. No, it's not. It would because... go the other way. wines <laughs> you like that. I don't like, oh, <laughs> listen, far more a wine listen, smell than Car- you are. <laughs> Car- Carlo Rossi makes an excellent, that's, that's what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But here's the here's the point. Here's the point. You're right. When we had to commune to the office, everybody was presentable. We were we were dressed to the nines. 100%. We were ready to go. You know, you're not showing up in your your scrubs or whatever else you're doing. Yeah. You look good. And when you go to conferences, you're looking presentable. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of you know, like. But here's the other trade off. I didn't work as many hours when I was commuting as I do when I'm at home. Yeah. Well, because I'm not commuting. Yeah. I'm not losing 
you know, I lived in major metropolitan areas where, yeah, yeah. you know, worst commute was like an hour and a half one way. I'm sure there are people listening to this that are like, really, that's it? That'd be like a good day. I'm taking mm -hmm. public transit over here to this or that, or I'm yeah. driving from, you know, the peninsula down the Bay Area. I mean, that's a nightmare. Yeah. They're, they're not, listen, they're not putting in 10 hours and then commuting on top of it for two in, two out. That, that's that's just not a functional thing to do. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't mean to go down that diatribe, but uh, yeah, you're right. The met the the analogy of everybody wakes up in the morning. We all have some kind of a process. And 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 so our routines are going to differ, and that's what you know. I think I think what that calls out is the the beauty of trying to design a solution for people. Yep. So, like, imagine now, so if you, uh, you know, are, are designing some morning routine software and you're trying to make this work for everybody. Yes. Oh, gosh. In order to get all 50 of those sticky notes on there, you're, you're just not going to solve in a quick, easy solution everything for everybody. In fact, you may not ever solve all of that for everybody and i think that's the whole point of this is to start thinking about how this applies to our our working lives right and to go all right well we've got to pick what are the most important ones and he has this really fun great great uh exercise for doing that um but oh, do you want to jump into something before the, that distilling your map to make a backbone oh the backbone yeah yeah, yeah. So, no i he, you you just brought up a point he, he said quote if you're arguing about something, it likely means that it doesn't matter. You know, exactly. And he uses exactly. the analogy of, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, do you do you brush your teeth before you eat breakfast or after? Right. Now, the right answer is clearly after. Right. And everyone else is wrong. But except I brushed mine before. What am I supposed to do? I'm wrong. All these years, I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so we would put those up on a board and we would talk through them and you would say, no, I, I get done with my you know, shower activities and I brush my teeth and I go downstairs and make breakfast. And I would say, well, no, I'm going to drive into the office. So I'm going to eat. And then the last thing I'm going to do is go brush my teeth. Yeah. And the point is that doesn't, that, See, my that doesn't actually matter. My breakfast tasted better than yours. I want to taste it. Oh, well, so I don't drink. Yeah. As long as I have orange juice, I guess. You know. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm just joking. To your point, it doesn't matter. The order is is less important than distilling it into a backbone that everyone can agree on. So, that's what right. is a backbone? Uh, that's the next part of this. Uh, you're you're trying to cluster the stuff that goes together. So, all the get ready in the toiletries and, and and that kind of thing, like in the kitchen, like wash up, clean up, whatever you want to call it. That's your act, one big activity. And yep. so, what you can do is you could take all these stickies now. Now you want to get a different color sticky, and if you well, right. for whatever reason, don't have like... Right, shower is an activity. Breakfast or eating is an activity. Well, those are those. Well, those are under the... Those are the tasks. Let's call those tasks. So the activity is a higher above those. So then the activity above it... How would you, you define the activity? Well, so so in this case, let's say... Uh, so, well, just to finish what I'm saying, if you don't have colored stickies, then you take... He, he's he's tongue-in-cheek. He says you can take a... a, a Every sticky note has two shapes. You can literally turn it 45 degrees and now it's a diamond. And you can put those above the others on these clusters. Yes. So I would say the, the shower, brush teeth, whatever, let's just call that the cleanup activity. Okay. So you could have your, your 
you know, for me, I would call an exercise activity. I could put all my stretching and my workout and whatever. I could put all that there. Now, to recognize, if I'm going for a run, I'm I'm getting dressed twice, right? Like you you break it down. Like that's the thing. But do you have to break all that now that down that? <laughs> Jason's cracking up. Why is that so funny? Yes, you are. You are. You well, are. He says that even in he here. But I, I know he said it. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. If you're going running, you are definitely getting hopefully dressed twice. Twice, because yes. you're not going to go to work in the clothes he's ever running that you're sweating in. God anyway. willing, yes. <laughs> but indeed, indeed. So, <laughs> I, I don't know why you're laughing so hard. Now you're making me laugh. So, so the activities are, you know, those clubs. So then you've got a kitchen level activity. You've got, let's take care of the food. And so maybe you make a lunch, maybe you don't, but you're still taking care of food in the kitchen. Maybe you have to make breakfast for your kids. And maybe, yeah. yeah some, so all yeah. that goes under that big. So now that's your backbone. Got it. And so that's where it's helpful to go to those high level tasks. Okay. And then you start to say, all right, once you, once you kind of slice those out, then you go, all right. Now, what's the, what's the outcome, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, Jason and I have talked many times about uh, outcomes over outputs. And, and Jeff Patton, I think, is, well, he's the first one that I ever heard really push that idea. And I love it. Yeah. Where you're basically saying, you know, are you going to just, you know, your output. And, and as I mentioned before in, in other podcasts, the output is like you're throwing darts or you're, you're, uh, you're shooting arrows at a target. It's like my output is look at all these look at all these arrows I just shot. Yeah, I shot a, I shot I shot thirty arrows in a minute. That's right. Whereas the outcome, it's like I shot one arrow and hit the bullseye, and I hit the bullseye, and it's a huge different way of thinking. You're because his whole argument and 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 he has this great quote about like there's always more to build than you have time for, and so you've got to really be strategic about what you're doing with your time. So, so you're trying to like just slice out what is the outcome, and 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 the way to to put it on the story map is to actually have a different colored sticky at the beginning and go here's our outcome, here's what we're trying to shoot for, you know. In this case, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I can't. The picture is really small in the book, but I think the outcome is probably like make it to work on. Make it to work on that. But then, but then this is where it gets fun. And then we we talked about this last week uh, for those who were there. But he goes into more depth on it in, in this chapter. And yep. In chapter yep. five. The outcome is get out the door in a few minutes. Yep. You're right. So I'm sitting there. I slept in the past the alarm and I got to be at work like now. And so now what do you do? And so, you know, with your group. Yep. You now go in and say, we got to start cutting some stuff. And everything, so let's draw, let's draw a couple of lines here. So, you know, the blue painter's tape is great. So you have your activities top level and you draw one line there and then you have all the stuff under that, that you do under those clustered and yeah. then you draw and then you get another, you know, painter's tape or a line, you know, a little ways below that. And you just have enough space for basically one, maybe two stickies at the most under each one. And you go, all right, if you had three minutes between you waking up and getting out the door, what is the thing you're going to do? And then, and everybody has to have this discussion and maybe some people do still disagree. Oh, if I woke up late, there's like three things I know that must happen. 
versus if I wake up perfectly you're gonna put clothes on time you're gonna put clothes on yes so there's one no I, I, I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put clothes on I'm going to definitely brush teeth mm-hmm. and I'm gonna grab something on the way out the door okay so that's three that's the minimum uh, for me, I would just say the minimum is the two is I would brush teeth because I'm polite to other people if I'm leaving and talking to people. And I'm going to... Bad breath stinks, dude. Yeah. I, just say. I don't want it for myself. Either. Yeah, it's not... And I'll put clothes on. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe I'll do a quick, just stretch my body a little bit so I'm not like... Really? Hurting this. Well, just above like bend food. over. Above food. Wow. Okay. Well, because I know that I can get food later. If I've got a meeting. Oh, that's interesting. If I've got a meeting and I just woke up, like I could eat in three hours, you know, and be happy, be fine. But like. There's definitely been those moments where the alarm, you're like, what, how did I miss this? Right, right. I swear all the devices in my room and not one of them went off or. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. So your MVP line, though, your MVP line. So your minimum viable product, the thing that you can say as a group, you can go, all right, here's. All these, you know, 70 stickies that we talked about, you know, from our spa day to our best case, whatever, to our, you know, whatever. And then we're drawing this MVP line together and maybe mm-hmm. you make some concessions and someone else is like, yeah, but I cannot leave the road. You know, you leave the house without this because I've got kids. It's like, all right, well, then I might actually take brushing teeth over putting on clothes. <laughs> if I'm being honest, you just leave the house in your pajamas. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I could probably get away with it. Depends but. on the pajamas. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. 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 I, I like to, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I do have pajama day at, at the kids, uh, school. I, I, I do <laughs> like my, you know, the athletic gear can pass for, you know, yeah, good no, it's true. It's true. But actually, that's a good point. I actually, your I actually won't leave the house without brushing my teeth. That's non-negotiable. I, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Anyway, so that's 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 kind of it is in in an essence. That's a that's so, a that's a fun example. And yes, we've done that several times with Jeff, you know, being on site and you yeah, know, talking about it. Yeah. Um yeah, so the now versus later, I think this is a good point. So at the time that Jeff wrote this book, I mean, terms change, language changes, yeah. people talk about things in a different way. He keeps talking about story map, story map, story map. We have in this podcast talked about journey maps journey maps episode two i believe he says yeah memory (laughs) well thank you thank you it's sometimes uh that's think is very elephant elephantine memory (laughs) he would use story map for everything and and at the time of the writing of this book he would say he would say now map versus later map yeah and that's how he would talk about it now map is the journey map what you do today which might be, I woke up late and I had to rush out the door. Just thinking through, you know, our now story map versus our later, it's important to do both. It's important to have this uh, sense of, uh, this is where we're at today. This is where we want to be in the future. And and good software development, good software uh, planning actually uh, takes account for both. So you you can't just have one activity. You've got to actually do both activities and they are different they're definitely very, very different. Uh, and it's easy to fall into the trap of, of, of not doing both. So I think that was the, the point I was making with Ken. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a good one. And actually, we'll, we're going to revisit Kent back in... Uh, it's coming up. Chapter next 6. Chapter. Yeah. Not coming up. Let's do a, let's do a quick overview. Um, so at this point, we've talked about why you should story map. We've talked about what a story map looks like. We've talked about 
all the things, both from a thought process to the tactical on why you should do it. And, and just as a recap, you know, he highlights as he wraps up this exercise in chapter five with really six ideas we're going to, you know, quickly go through. Um, the six simple steps to story mapping. Number one, frame the problem. Who's it for and why we're building it? Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, so two is mapping, map the big picture. So you basically, you're going to focus on your breadth, not depth. You're basically going to go mile wide at mile wide and not and an inch deep. So you, you basically want to make sure you you capture all 60, 70, 80, whatever, yeah. sticky notes. Of the big ideas. Is. Before you move mm-hmm. into Let's the, the more specifics. Yeah. Number three is it's all about exploring. That point, now that you know the foundation of what you're going after, you're going to want to go deep and talk about the other types of, of users and people and how they might do things and the kinds of, kind of things that can go wrong. Now, at this point, you might want to start prototyping. Right. Sketching. You might want to start sketching. Yeah. Um, you want to start refining the map at this point. This is really your first attempt at saying it's a version two. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. The fourth one is really slice out a release strategy. So this is the the what we were talking about when you're in a rush. You've got yep. three minutes to get out the door. What would be the minimum solution that's going to actually delight people? What what's the minimum that someone will actually use this software? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll might actually even pay for it. You know, there's a there's a there's a great there's some great maybe another podcast we could do is called willing the willingness to pay as a measure yeah. of success for. For vetting out ideas, I was just listening to another podcast on that, and it's actually quite an interesting way of vetting out ideas. But you figure that out, you know the lean lean startup, you know metrics that Eric Reese you know talks about. You, yep you you figure out what is the most core thing, and that's what you go for. Yep, first. So that's the slicing out your release strategy. Yep. And number five, he dives into slicing out a learning strategy. So again, on that build, measure, learn philosophy. Once you've identified what you think is that MVP and everyone's on board, you have the shared understanding, but it's a hypothesis until you prove otherwise. There is a chance that everyone in the room could actually be wrong. It's happened. There's a chance that you could be wrong and everyone could be wrong. What are you going to do to understand where you're going to really figure out your biggest risks? You have to actually slice into that map and do even more minimum experiments. I think about this not as actually building additional prototypes. I think about it in terms of how do we know if we were to build these things, how we would know we were wrong. Uh, I talked to companies today uh, who have, you know, single offering product features. And the first thing I'll say to them, uh, I'll say, tell me the last thing you released that you knew that you did incorrectly. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't know. We're still making money. And it's like, well, no, what do the analytics say? Right. Exactly. Do, do you have any way to measure? And then if they don't respond well to that, I'll say, well, tell me the last thing that you know you released successfully. Because most people, you, they're going to get, they're going to be insulted if you ask them, tell me something you did wrong. Yeah. But if I ask them, just give me an idea of how you use data to understand what it is that you're doing. Um, what is that strategy to go? And if you know what you're going to do, which again is a hypothesis. Effie's analogy of the the blue painter's tape is a great one. You should absolutely draw that because anybody who's ever painted uses that stupid tape that doesn't work. 
and you have to come back and say, that's exactly where the line stops. Now you might realize it should have maybe been two down. Now we know that for the next time. Right, right. Yeah, so if people uh, try it out and then they churn and they, they stop using it, well, okay, there you've learned something. It's not a waste of time and money, but you got to measure. Build, measure, yep. learn, yep. build. Like you, it's a cycle. Yep. It's not just build and keep going, build and keep going. Yeah. Which is what a lot of yeah, software. I, I cringed when you said that. I was like, and that's why I think so many UXers and engineer, and then, well, you're going to talk about number six here in a second, but that's why so many of the ICs I think are wary of doing this because they will say something like, well, Listen, if I build your house and I put up all the framing yeah, and I run the electrical, mm-hmm. but you never put the sheetrock up or <laughs> the roof. Okay, there's an example, yeah. <laughs> then all this was for nothing. And right, right, I think right. so many times software companies are just like, no, build, build, build. No, we'll just go build another house. And it's like, well, what about this house? And, you know, you, you said you were going to come back in and fix these, you know, things and we were going to trust each other. I think the best teams are the ones that are going to say, like, look, we're going to do stuff really quickly here, which every company says. Yeah. But we're going to learn really fast and we're going to go back and fix those things before we take on another major initiative. Right. And I think that's the trust and the relationships you have to have with your team. And as UX leaders, I think you and I and others are well equipped to move forward and say, I don't mind going quick and failing. But I have to know that everyone's going to rally around fixing it and not just leaving it. Because yeah. you and I both know 10 months down the road, we're going to get a call that says, hey, the UX is really bad in this particular area. Yeah. yeah. And it's, well, you know, we moved on to these other things. We're building other homes down the street. Yeah, exactly. We never went back and fixed the thing that we had. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, how, that, how does he wrap it up? Slice out a development strategy. A lot of slicing. It is a lot of slicing, but, um, you know, basically it's saying, all right, now you want to make sure you've got your development team involved in this. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to make sure, you know, it's not just, you know, this pie in the sky. Okay. Here's this product we want. You want to make sure things actually are feasible. They're technically like possible, you know, you don't want to just jump in and, yep. and so that's actually, you know, and so he actually, you know, in some later chapters and examples talks about let's bring in development and and uh you know do story maps of the development and that's actually the last example he gives in this this chapter is basically looking at uh you know sap uh and you know it's a big if you don't know them they're a big 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 company they got like twenty thousand developers i mean this is like (laughs) at least at least well that was at the time of the writers 10 years ago i was gonna say Uh, they probably have like 20,000 of everything at this point. I mean, they're just, just enormous. But like this this particular person who, uh, you know, was writing this, uh, Andrea, I won't say her last name because I don't think I'll get it right. In this book, she she has a little section where she, she writes yep. about, and they're doing all this stuff that seems like right. Like, and they're, they've broken it down and they're getting people to use story maps for development. They're using, using story maps for, uh, you know, 
but then they're there for the product and discovery, but they're doing it in these small groups and they call them scrum teams and they're breaking them down and, yep. and, 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 you know, grabbing their little bits and pieces of this process together. So if, I think it's actually really brilliant to hear that at a big company like that, like they're still able to do this on scale. And I think that's, that's honestly admirable. I don't know. Honestly, I've used SAP software in the past and I was like, not thrilled with the user experience, but you know, (laughs) I'm also a critic. So I will, I mean, you know, and I think for the record, you and I are pretty biased. I think we have a certain persona of company that we like to work with. (laughs) So no harm, no foul. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get into, let's talk about stories. Yeah. The real story about stories. So this is a Kent. Let's go back to Kent. Kent. What's he up to? Uh, so Welcome back, Kent. Late late nineties, so they started going. He and the others started. They came up with the Agile Manifesto. And, yep. And he started thinking, okay, you know what? What was the problem with software development at that time? So, at that time, late nineties, I think that by then we had CDs, but before that it was floppy disks. So I'm with a, I'm with Applied Systems. It's 40 years old. Our first customers at my company had floppy disks to install their software. And there's still people using today. No, there isn't. Yes. No, at this company, not. they're using software that is the equivalent of, I mean, they're still, they're downloading it now, but it's equivalent. Okay. Of, I was like, you are not shipping floppy disks. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but they're using software that's, that, I don't even, could you buy a floppy disk? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think that's so. a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I still have like a stack of like uh, blank CDs that I used to rip music to. I have. Probably, I know that I probably had for. 15 I've got years. all these blank CDs. What am I supposed to do with them? If anybody wants to buy some blank CDs, <laughs> reach out. We will gladly. I need to just get these to the. the we will gladly. Thrift store. Store. I need to donate them. Um, my kids do. All, the only reason they know what a floppy disk looks like is because of the save icon, because it's a floppy disk. That's the only reason they know, but they don't. They don't know what that is, and I have to explain it to them. And I'm like, they're like, but it's un- it's universal. Um, please don't ever try and change it. So it's, it's universal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sunk into our yes. our, cor- our corporate. Uh, you know, a library is a book. Like we're just we know it. Even though people that may not read books anymore, they have their Kindle, but they get it. So, so yeah. So like thinking through like you know our users at the, the company I'm at, yep. quite a few of them are using the software that we actually did before the Agile Manifesto. We we shipped it to them, literally shipped, you know, in the mail at that point. Yeah. Non-downloadable CDs of this software. And they said, we need to change this. We need to change this process because now we have the internet. Yep. And now we can do, we can produce software and update it. People can have an alert. Maybe back, maybe back then it wasn't software running on the internet. Running, no, you had to know, like, you had to, but you it, had to intentionally go out you, and look you would download the software on your hard drive still, but then there would it would say, Hey, update available, and you go, Ooh, and you'd click on your update and it would download for three hours, but then you'd have the newest version, and so all this stuff. So they recognized this and they came up with the Agile Manifesto, which we'll do a podcast on one day, I'm sure, because there's a huge UX ramification. I mean, UX, I think, became a mature thing. After the Agile Manifesto in the late nineties, uh, so three, yeah, three quick examples. I think about uh, we talked about this in Marty Kagan's book, um, the way when 
Adobe went to Creative Cloud, right. which was their right. way to get rid of CDs. Right. Um, I think about Apple giving away their operating system. That was a change. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast, and I just want to tell you, you used to have to pay. I would pay. I would look it was, at it. It was 129 go, bucks. Yeah, I paid it, but I would also look would at it. it go, I'm like, okay, let's see. Is this one really worth? But now it? it's free. But yeah. now it's free. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So we have Adobe, we have Apple, and then you just you completely stumped me on the third one because I had it right uh, there. Um, was it one of the giants? No, it wasn't a giant. I mean, Microsoft now does it as well. They I, do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think right. all all software gets pushed over the cloud these days. Well, so. they're charging monthly. Is their change? And well, Apple's uh, not charging for their regular. Yeah, operating I was going to say no. You could actually just buy the but, Apple hardware and, and be good to go. Yeah, because they're also a hardware company. Really? I think that's where Apple makes their money. Um, the last story short is, yep. You know, he was seeing. Uh, so, I'll just I'll just read this quote. One of the Kent. Noticed one of the biggest problems in software development sprang from the traditional process approach of using documents to describe precisely what we want, that is, the required is. And by now, you know the problem with that. Different people can read the same document and imagine different things. They can even sign off on the document believing they're in agreement. I mean, you know, as 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 Jeff tells us throughout the book, shared documents does not email shared understanding. And so the idea is let's get people to actually know we're doing the right thing. That's right. We're going to build stuff iteratively. We're going to and, and and we're going to know what the outcomes are, and so we can begin to actually build the right thing together. And so, looking at a requirement is different than understanding an outcome together. Yeah, and that's far more important than actually the requirements. Even though all those are necessary, at some point you got to know what the requirements are. But that's that's where this comes from. So, you know, we can both read the same document, but we can have a completely different understanding of it. So, yeah. And then they, they, you know, Jeff introduces the concept alongside a person named Ron Jeffries, who wrote a book called Extreme Programming Installed. What? And a, you know, bonus FE for your next book. If you don't put extreme in the title, I need to put extreme in the title. This is what's holding you back from best. My, my next book does not. My working title does not have the word extreme in it, but oh, there is an E word. So. Should sir, oh, <laughs> okay, all right. I'll it's a working title. It's a working title. But Ron Jeffries and Jeff, you know, started talking about this, you know, concept of what they refer to as the three C's, and we're going to use that name for the rest of the the episodes on this particular book. So um, when we talk about it, we say three C's. We're really talking about the card, the conversation, and the confirmation. Yeah. Well, and eventually he adds two more C's, but yeah, I think it's worth jumping into what those three are. So uh, the card, the conversation, and the confirmation. Yep. And then, uh, you know, from there, you know, we'll, we'll jump into the other C's after we explain these. The idea of the, the card is that we put we put on it like a kind of this, the, there's a story, a simple story template that's that gets you thinking about uh, things. So the template goes like this. As a whatever type of user, I walk to whatever, do something, so that I can get some benefit. That's right. That's the template. So that those cards are a way to get you springboarding. And, and today, you know, I think since this 
book came out, we often, a lot of people are using jobs to be done as a, mm-hmm. as your card sure. framework, yeah. your template from Blake. And, and, and honestly, like I don't, to me, I don't care. Someone wants to do jobs to be done if they want to use this template. I mean, it's all fine with me. It all leads to the same thing. As long as you're doing these kinds of principles. There's many frameworks. Working, working, you know, and, and he really, he really slams into templates at one point and says, look, you know, they're there for you, but don't let them like destroy. Uh, maybe I'll jump on that later. But like, this is just to get you rolling is to say, let this card let come up with a whole bunch of cards. Uh, you build your story map and you come up with your cards. These are the mm-hmm. jumps to be done. This is what you're trying, you know, mm-hmm. this person is trying to do this thing. Um, you know, as this, as this kind of, you know, person as this user, because you've got a lot of different kinds of users. So let's say as a, as a parent of three kids, I want to get myself and all my kids out the door in the morning so that I can get to work on time and everyone gets to their thing on time. And that's my... Amen. You know, except I just said three kids because I was thinking of you. I only have two kids. I don't know. I, said, <laughs> I know, but that's my, sto- that's my story every day that we... Yes. And so, but that's, you know, you're, you're, you're in the morning card. So then the conversation, you want to jump into that one? Yeah. So you... This is actually a little bit more personal because the conversation was really about, it's the description about what you're thinking. So, and you're thinking that, yeah, you want to get your kids out the door so you can get to work on time, but you want to get someone to have an idea in their head about what it is they're doing. And this, this has a lot to do with personas. And again, I think Jeff was really on the precipice of, critical user journeys uh-huh. and how he was understanding the story mapping uh, process. And you want them to understand that they might be thinking about a magic. They're, they're, they're imagining something different than you might be describing because of their situation. But because it's a conversation, they might start to ask you a couple questions. Exactly. Well, what happens as a user of your software when I'm right. not in that the dial situation? The dial- well, you happen to be a particular set of personas, um, you know, coming um, from time in the account-based marketing sector. You know, when you think about, you know, um, digital marketers and people buying ad space and all these different things, you we found out there were like six different types of people that would use this. And not, you know... There was overlap, but think about it more yeah. like a giant multiplied yeah. Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the conversation really comes down to, well, listen, uh, as Effie just said, well, Effie has two kids. I have three. Effie's kids are older than two of my children. So his problems are not necessarily my challenges, right? right? right. He's dealing with different things than I'm dealing with. And so the conversation comes in when it relates to the software and product development life cycle on what happens when those, those seams start to, to pop up. Right. And the conversations can start happening. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. really I'll, I'll just end by saying, you know, quote story conversations are about working together to arrive at a best solution to a problem. We both understand exactly. end quote. And the sure. reality is Effie and I both have kids that isn't different. Effie and I both have a spouse. That's not different. The minute details are a little bit different. Yeah. But well, the 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 outcome is still needs to be the same. But yeah, exactly. But I think I think the 
the the shared problem that we could all understand is somebody else may not have kids at all. And so we're, we're solving, we're agreeing as a group. And I think the shared understanding and shared commitment to what is the problem we're solving, I think that's what that stays about. So the three again, cards. Uh, well, we have to cover confirmation. And then, yeah, I'm just, just reiterating that we started with card and then we got into the conversation and now we're at confirmation. And basically, it's just basically committing together. What are we agreeing to? Yep. Is everyone on the same page? And then when we do this, we're sketching, we're telling stories, we're writing down facts and decisions. And good, doing this well involves a lot of that kind of whiteboarding. And I love whiteboarding. Yep. I think it's critical. Agreed. I could. I was thinking about this week. It's like, all right, and a couple of times now I've used whiteboarding this week. It's probably the only thing I miss about actually going back to the office. Yeah, yes. but I do. But, you know, I so I, we use Zoom at my company. Oh, and you've got this magical thing you do. It's it's really, it's incredible. Like, I just, so, it's, it's, you know, and it's funny because you know, here we are talking about It's not as good as doing it in person. 100% it's not as good. But, like, I was in this call, and somebody starts saying something. He's like, well, we're doing this, we're doing this. And I said, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, excuse me. What is the release process? I was like, ex- show, tell, explain to me the release process. And he starts saying it. Someone else asked him a question, and then I go, boom, and I, on Zoom, you can you can click a whiteboard button. Whatever technology you use, you can do this easily nowadays. And boom, this thing went up. Suddenly, all four of us it was in the call were on this whiteboard. You can see where everyone's at. Yep. And I started. I just pulled out a sticky and I started writing what they said. And then I pulled out another sticky and I drew an arrow from one to the other. And this was all just like instant, like yeah. digital. And then everyone starts getting in there and. Throwing stickies and drawing arrows and having a little conversation. Before you know it, it it was like we had shared understanding. That is Jeff Patton loves it, and he's all about this, and I am too. The visual connection is what it's all about. So anyway, uh I know we keep tooting that horn, but you know, we we've tweeted it most podcasts, but I can't begin to say well, how you, important it is yeah, and how much people yeah. don't do it. Yeah. How many meetings? I mean, I'm in meetings all week. Yeah. In most of them, people are not whiteboarding. Yeah. Most of them. No. And when we are, it's usually because I'm the one who started it. No, I agree. I need to talk about it more. (laughs) We certainly don't want you to move. uh, But at the same time, I think the reason I hear you so passionate about it is because you realize you've been there in the aha moments. And there's nothing right, you could right. describe about when you look around right. the room and you're like, it's not my idea, it's our idea, and everyone's bought in. And people don't understand. And how many times have I said something and someone goes, oh, I get it. And, and like, I yes. check in, I check in a week later, and from everyone else I've talked to, that person didn't get it because they didn't do what I was saying. And it's like, all right, we need to get on the same page somehow and visuals are the way you do it yep so um going back then so uh you know it's talking about the template so we got this template you know of like this is this is who the user is this is what they're trying to solve and this is the you know the outcome we want right uh so as a blank type of user i want to do something so that i can get some benefit the basic template but then he says don't be a template zombie right you know because <laughs> what is it he like zombies oh i love this he says uh the project team allows its work to be driven by templates instead of by the thought process necessary to deliver products mm-hmm. so basically you're filling this thing in 
mm-hmm. you're filling this thing in uh, without giving it thought. And this is, I see this happen all the time. We have a thing called product briefs in my company. Product briefs are great. They've got, and in fact, in fact, it was this big strategic group of the company of mostly product. Uh, there was one development rep- representative and I was the UX representative. And we went through and we said, all right, here's what the new product briefs will be for everybody across the board. We've got about, let's say a thousand people in the R&D org at my, at my company. And um, so now we're all using this template for these, these, these product leads. Well, but what can happen? I love, he has this great example. You've got somebody who's using the template he created as a whatever. He says, as a product owner, I want you to build a file uploader so that the customer requirements are met. <laughs> it's a hilarious right. example. He calls that template zombies because you're filling in this template without actually doing any of the work. You're basically saying, here's the requirements. And Jeff hates requirements. He's like, why are those requirements there? Well, you not know, even that. They you don't have sheer understanding. <laughs> yeah, they're... What are, what are the customer requirements like? Yeah, it's not. It's a, he, I love his analogy. He, he says it's like when you learn to ski. And, and I'm a skier. I know you're not a skier. I'm not a skier. But I'm a skier. I like skiing. I take. I'm gonna. Hopefully, let's let's hope that I take my 13 year old skiing tomorrow. But um, when you're learning to ski, you learn what's called the snowplow. You point your skis toward each other, and you know as you're doing that, and you're going down a mostly for narrow, you know, not, not so, sorry, not narrow, but like, um, gentle slopes, mm. you're going to slow down a bit. And, and that actually helps you learn, but you, you know, oh, this is great. Cool. I would just follow. You, you won't impress anyone on the slopes with your cool snowplow stance, but it's nothing to be embarrassed about because that's how you learn to right. ski. Right. So, but it's a learning step. And so that was, that's his whole example of the snowplow. For those of you who are skiers and you know what I'm talking about, that is how you learn. The template is how you learn to do this. But at the end of the day, the card, you don't have to follow that template. You just basically want to get down on the outcome. This is the kind of user, this is the kind of thing they need, and this is the outcome you want. And that's what the card is about. So anyway, that's that's his whole spiel. Yeah, and then he goes into talking about his favorite template. And he says, you know, if I'm writing stories on sticky notes or cards and they won't be sitting inside a bigger story map, I'll give them a short, simple title. Very easy. The who, the what, the why. So who's doing this? What are they doing? And why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. And he goes into, you know, a couple lines in between. It doesn't have to be, it's not canon. Like you don't have to get this, you know, authorized by anybody. But it's just a way to get your ideas down on paper. And, you know, so again, you know, just saying who, what, why is a really great way to get out of just a basic zombie template mentality. Right. right. And then he gives a checklist of, you know, what to really talk about. Yeah. So so this is this yeah. is for the conversation part of it. So when you get into the conversation, you want to know, okay, what are the things that you should talk about? And he's got a whole ton and, and they're all good. But you just, these are all things yep. that every single one of these could and should bring about discussion. And we could probably whip through these. Um, yeah, just read them off. It, instead of, he says, really talk about who. Really talk about who. I like, I like, it's, he says, this is the checklist about what to really talk about. He doesn't mean yeah. just to talk about it, but like, you want to dig in on these specifics. So you want to know who, 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 keep yep. asking. Because there's rarely just one user, right? Like, yep. that matters. Like, we need to think about more. Really talk about what? 
you know, the stories, tasks, whatever, the UI, I yep. mean, yep. really talk about why. Uh, I talk about really talk about what's going on in, outside the software, and then talk about really talk about what's going, what's going wrong. And you know, one of my favorites is really talk about your questions and assumptions. Yep. Um, you know, and, and and I learned about assumption mapping through Jeff Patton, and I use that. I have all my all my team use assumption mapping now for every every project. You know, you want to really talk about a better solution. You want to dig in together, mm-hmm. and how you're going to do it. And then finally, you want to really talk about like how long. Yeah, that's where you have to bring in the you know the feasibility of what solving this problem is going to look like. Can the engineers actually do it? Uh-huh. Is that going to be possible? And he wraps up by saying, you know, don't worry, it's a lot. It's a lot to worry about. It's daunting to think about how much there is you could be talking about in the stories. Yeah, and I think it's like anything else that you've ever done the first couple times. If you've ever uh, ridden a bike or went skiing or worked on a car or any, like it's all daunting stuff. Have you ever written software the first time? Yeah. Um, the point is you have to get in there and just start small. And yeah. I think he really breaks this down nicely and talks about it in baby steps. Right. right. Um, that doesn't demean the reader and, and really gives us like good guidance to say, yeah, hey, yeah. don't just like the Mona Lisa, don't worry about. Um, you know, don't worry about doing the whole thing perfectly. Just start with the line drawing and we can go from there. And I think it, you know, honestly, it should be a confidence booster to anyone yeah. looking to get into this industry. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, let's just jump ahead. I want to make sure we, uh, we, we get to, uh, chapter, um, nine or sorry, eight. Because he's talking about the cards and breaking down the card, you know, that you, yeah. that, that first stage. And sure. so I think, I think it's important. And, um, he uses great line saying, okay, we're, we're going to need a bigger card, <laughs> which is if you've ever watched the movie Jaws from the seventies, we're going to need a bigger bow. And have you ever watched that movie? Renaissance piece? <laughs> yes, exactly. Princess. I didn't actually watch Jaws until recently. Are you serious? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I've probably seen every one of them. Have you? Wait, no. I only watched the first one. But oh, it, I was blown away. I, are you? I was, a, are you a Sharknado fan? <laughs> I wish. I, you know, maybe I should be. <laughs> I mean, you got sharks. You got a tornado. I mean, what else do you need, right? I mean, people say that, but actually, movie actually has you a know, higher rating. Listen, higher DB. Jaws. Jaws is a, a phenomenal movie. It is phenomenal. Not only do you have great actors. I don't own it. What do you mean? Oh, is your is your movie club? Yeah, I don't have. It. All right, all right. This is what turned me on to it. So I, you know, as an author, I've been I've been reading books on writing, and I. Uh, it was used as as an example to talk about the like all these different the layers of depth. Oh yeah, no writing. There's a lot it going is on. Good yeah. writing. It is really good writing. It's an impressive. I mean, Steven Spielberg. It's like for sure launched his career well no i guess star wars launched. well it, no it's actually, Jaws was pre-star wars wasn't it it was right around the year before or something right it was around there all i know is it's the only song i can play on the piano <laughs> <laughs> that's it uh we're gonna need a bigger card so why does he say that it's because you know when you start thinking of all the stuff you want on the card phase yeah. it's like all right, all right hold on just chillax yeah. and he uses the analogy of Think of a, 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 li- a library card 
catalog card. And obviously I'm now dating myself as Jeff did in his book. Those who did not have to deal with a library card catalog, you you did not have computers in the old days to find a book. No. But all those books were in the library and the magazines and the articles and all that stuff was in the library. But in order to write your paper or to do that research, you had to go into the library oh, yeah. and you had to go into a card and you could look up in the card catalog. You could look up the author. You could look up the title. Uh, there was one more thing, wasn't there? Now I'm not remembering. The Dewey Decimal number? <laughs> I don't remember all of it. <laughs> I feel like topic, some topics were in there. But anyway, that's And then those cards had a few key things on them. They had this yeah. the book title. This is the author. This yep. was the year. And here's yep. where you find it in the library. And that's all it had. And he's like, okay, that's, at the, at the end of the day, that's what you're really trying to do with these cards is just get the basic stuff, you know, on this thing. And, and, you know, and he, as he goes into this chapter and we don't have to belabor all this, but like, you could put a lot on this card. You could put, you know, the, the date created, the rough size, you know, the status, whatever the importance. But, like, at the end of the day, what's the tool for? You know, you don't want to, like, jump in. I, yeah, I start think, using I the basics are for, so much more important. You don't want to use it for, for what it's not for. And he has this great example of some guys trying to cut a tree down in the forest with a hammer. Yep. And another guy comes and says, what the heck are you doing, man? Yep. It's the wrong tool. Use this saw. So the guy goes, and he says, oh, great. And he, so he goes and he takes the saw, and the other guy walks away. And he starts hitting the tree with the saw the same way he was using the hammer. That's good. That's such a great teacher. I love him. Yeah. Even in his book, I'm reading it going, I can hear his voice. He's just funny. Well, it is, you know, like I said, I, even when I read the books that you published, like, I can't help but read them without hearing your voice. I know. I know. It's, so, great. it's great. Yeah. But, but the point being like, okay, that's not what the tool's for. Yeah. Like, don't try to cram everything into this car. Jeez, guys. Like, <laughs> no, like the date. I'm like, ah, it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. Well, in chapter nine, I mean, it's a very short chapter. Yeah. You'll notice yeah. as you get later into this book, the chapters get a lot more concise and very targeted yeah. because here's what he's done. He's given you the why. He's given you the how you're going to go about doing these things. Yeah. And he's going to tell you, you know, the closing details. And yeah, yeah. And chapter nine really just says, look, the three C's are just the beginning. Yeah. And, and that, I, yeah. Go ahead. You go want ahead. okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to interrupt you, but I, okay. Use it. Use it. You know, he ends with just saying, look, the, the conversations and all the documentation that, that will help us remember what we did together, you know, as a team are just the means to an end. Eventually we're going to, we're going to actually build something. And I see that a lot today. I think there's an argument right now going online, especially with some of the macroeconomic conditions where, you know, people are like, well, you know, it's no longer about being like a well-rounded designer. It's about being like a fully exhausted designer. Um, and you have to have all these, you know, different skills above and beyond. And I think that is true. But at the end of the day, our job in UX is to ship features people will use. Exactly. So listen, nobody's buying our story maps. Nobody's buying our feature briefs. Right, right. Nobody's buying the PRFAQs or any of the other nonsense that we use as internal guardrails to help direct us towards that solution. We actually have to, I'm sorry, do the work itself. 
And so, yeah, um, I think if anything, if you were to walk out of this thinking that you'll be an, you know, uh, a very satisfied UX professional by just doing story maps and cards and all these other things, yeah. like you're wrong. Yeah, Those are yeah, just yeah. to get us to a place where we can say, now I have a wireframe in my, or at least in my mind that I can start getting towards that Mona Lisa piece. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so he does introduce the other two C's at this point. Uh, so you've got card, and then you've got the conversation stage, then you've got the confirmation, and then you've got construction, which is actually, okay, now now you're actually going to have your group build something together. You're going to you know take these notes and references and all this stuff, start working on it. And then you've got the consequences. And, you know, he's trying to use alliteration to make you remember, but like, whatever, it's a build measure. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. another way of saying yeah. build measure learn, but he's just ex- Love it. expanding it out. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, these are great. What happens is, you know, a lot of times when you have, you know, um, when you have teams trying to do this, the, you know, if they don't do the communication phase, for example, you know, you've got just documents. Yeah. Then what happens is people get confused. They don't know exactly what's going on. They don't build quite the right thing. And then yep. they go, oh, well, the document needs to be improved. And then they people work harder on making a better document for all the requirements. And Nobody buys a document. Jeff hates this, right? He <laughs> hates this. He's like... No, I hate this. The stuff. most important thing... Yeah, what do we all do? The most important thing is to get this shared communication. Now, I will tell you right now that I think the biggest thing, and he doesn't mention this in the chapter, but I feel like the biggest factor is we have to get over ourselves. We have to get mm. over our... Humility. We have to say, I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to have all these people in this, this meeting stop what we're all doing and talking about and get a whiteboard going and let's do a quick story map on this or let's have a quick discussion. And, you know, Jeff's a huge fan. He even mentions in the book, he hates walking into companies that have their mottos on the wall or whatever, instead of whiteboards full of all these visuals that people can look at. And remember the conversation. And, it, oh. you know, that is inspiring. You know, to walk into an office where you've got all like story maps and you know, whiteboards full of drawings and sketches. Yeah. And people look at those and go, oh, yeah, that's what we were doing. That's right. Instead of like, we are the best in the industry or whatever your motto is. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like the, the antithesis of like good you know, collaboration, you know, use your walls. Well, yeah. I think Jeff has that quote. Yeah, so. no. There, and there's been product teams I've been a part of, you know, to use a, a personal analogy where we spent more time as a product group mm-hmm. discussing the intricacies of a PR FAQ, the nuances <laughs> of the verb tense of the things that we would want to do. Right, right. Versus actually saying, why don't we build something and see how bad it fails quickly. And never before in the history of UX design that I've been a part of have we been more able to build things faster than we can right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to sit there and say, well, you can't even get started until someone signs off on a document that no customer will ever buy directly until people finish the debate on the nuances of the verb (laughs) tense is absolutely mind-boggling. It is. And, you know, for yeah, me, yeah. there's there's no place, there's no place for proper product releases in that. Do you have to have a structure? Yes. Do you want to debate the new, you know, the Oxford comma? No. 
Right. Yeah. You don't want your story map to include all the nuances. I write left-handed. When I write my story map, the little cards out, my hand drags over it. It's going to be smudged. Like, that's just how it's going to work. Yeah. Get ready. The curse of left-handed people. It's 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 actually a blessing. Why is it a blessing? Well, because the left are always in their right mind. (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. It's like perfect balance. It's like the yin and yang. It's like us. It's like us. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Am I right or am I left? You're. I'm left-handed. And I'm right-handed. There you go. Uh, I just won that debate. <laughs> What's the debate? <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, 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 oh. All right. All right. All right. Well, I think that gives us a really good place to you know, press pause. Yeah, yeah, it's a great foundation on on that middle chunk of the book and really getting into the yes. it. And whether you use index cards or post-it notes, or, digital or digital or digital, yeah, yeah like the don't do don't do nothing. Right, right. that's not English, but don't do nothing. It is English, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't think it is, but okay. <laughs> if you can't be in person, do the virtual. Or at least send emails or get Google Docs up and running or do something because doing nothing doesn't help anyone. And and I think that is really just, you know, what design is here to do. So I guess as we keep going through uh, this wonderful manifesto of Jeff Patton's called User Story Mapping, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode and, and just remind everyone You can support the podcast uh, by liking the podcast, subscribing. You can send your questions to questions at uexperts.info. And just as a closing reminder, this is a hard task. It can be very easy just to walk through and go through the motions. But as you go about designing your own experience in the world, just remember to make it a better one for all. Ciao.